0: You just tuned into the hippest way to start and grow your indie author career. Learn the ins, the outs, and all the all-arounds of self-publishing with the team from D2D and their industry-influencing guests. You're listening to Self-Publishing Insiders with draft to digital Well, hello, everybody. It says we're live, and I always trust what computers tell me. So thank you for tuning in to... Another week of self-publishing insiders with Draft Digital, and uh, you know we are really appreciative of you coming back every week. This is where we talk to industry insiders, movers, shakers, people who have some kind of insight on the industry that you, as an author, can use to uh, start, build, and grow your author career. I almost got the whole tagline wrong, Jim. So we're talking to Jim Millet. Was it? I, I messed it up already. Was it Millet or Millett? Millet. 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 And I, I knew I was going to do that, and I did it anyway. Um, but thank you for being gracious about it. <laughs> and, uh, no problem. And welcome to the show.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: So you are with. Uh, we were discussing just before like you have a bio on the uh, Publishers Weekly website that's slightly out of date, but you are uh, you've been the editorial director there for now thirty years. Well, yeah, I've been with
1: Publishers Weekly for almost thirty years. I've been okay. I've been the editorial director for twelve. Um, half of that time I was a co-editorial director and Michael Coffey, who was with me retired yep. about five years ago. So I've been heading the ship, uh, by myself, uh, for, you know, five or six years now.
0: And, um, and steering it well. Uh,
1: well, <laughs> it's been, <laughs> there's been some rough, uh, waves out there. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we're still alive and kicking. Um, and as I, I, think people are aware of but this is our 150th anniversary yeah um so um in april we published our 150th anniversary issue this is our advertising cover with james patterson this is our editorial cover has yeah. some of the highlights inside of it um and to be honest kevin it was the most fun thing we've done in a long time just going back over uh We didn't go back. Well, we went back 150 years, but we really focused on the last 25 years. Yeah. um, Because we have, we've been doing these updates uh, like every 25 years. (laughs) So, uh, so a lot went on between now and
0: 1997. Yeah. You can, everyone who uh, preceded you did a little bit of the pre-work for your right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, because actually this year, so we've had a new owner in um, 2010, George Slowick is the owner. Uh, before that, we had been owned by Reed Elsevier, which some of your listeners may know is a, a huge publishing corporation. At the time, they owned a slew of trade magazines, including yeah. such popular things as Variety. Yeah. Um, then this thing, the internet came along and they had no idea what to do with trade magazines. So yeah. they were selling them off at a pretty rapid rate. So... Actually, that the George who owns us now was the publisher like in the nineties. And he had gone out often some other stuff. This came up for sale. So here we are.
0: Now you haven't been there for the entire 150 years, but uh from your perspective and from doing this this issue, like what are some of the major changes that you can think of? Kind of playing spot with that. <laughs> yeah, no, well, <laughs> aside from um, the internet. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, I mean, it's so much. Uh, one ways that we decided to focus the last 25 years, because I don't think there's ever been more change than over the last 25 years. Yeah. I mean, just prior to that, when I started, you know, there was the beginning of consolidation of the publishing companies, was starting. Um, I've been covering the industry since about 1980. Mm-hmm. So in the mid-80s, consolidation started. In the early 90s, you started the, the birth of the bookstore chains, Barnes and Noble, Borders. Mm-hmm. And then as you rolled closer to mm-hmm. you know mid-90s, Amazon came yeah. along. And it's the, the chains company and, <laughs> and the <laughs> and the, the chains, Borders, Barnes and Noble, Books and Million, they were still going really strong. And it was it was really the most fun time to cover in in, in uh my estimation, because there was all this stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, Barnes and Noble and Amazon were actually fighting over who's the first who the first online bookseller because Amazon had this thing. I mean, I'm sorry, Barnes and Noble had this little operation going and it wasn't yeah. really amounting to much. And there were they somebody sued the other one over who could claim to be the world's biggest bookstore. <laughs> um, so and it was fascinating. And at that time, I, another anecdote for you: mm-hmm. um, we were putting on, a, um, we were putting together a, a panel about the industry, and we we're looking for some speakers. And a colleague of mine said, uh, well, "Why don't you put Jeff Bezos on?" And I was like, "Who's Jeff Bezos?" And <laughs> he was in our offices the day before, um, coming to license our book reviews. Yeah. to uh put up on amazon so uh, you know was uh i I quickly learned who he was you might say.
0: Yeah yeah when I mean, once once you're kind of in his presence you don't really forget right away who he was. And right he, no, he for shows sure. up.
1: Yeah yeah well <laughs> one yeah we, we've done um a person of the year for a long time now and one year right right after the Kindle launch and right after they bought a bunch of books book publishers uh-huh. We uh, picked him as our person of the year and they were getting bigger. They've been selling more than just books by that point. Yeah. Um, so I knew his assistant. So I said, well, if he picked Jeff, would he accept? And he said, yeah, he would. So we flew out there We had an interview in the old offices. He has that famous laugh of his yeah. um, that he kept going. And it was kind of a treat. He's really not a bad guy, you know, one on one. And when yeah. he wants to charm you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, he is. Uh, I think he he kind of leaned in on being larger than life for the promotional aspects of it. And maybe that became a lifestyle. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Good day, good day. I only met I met him one time and that was back, you know, early days and Amazon was still running commercials on uh, TV uh, with some guy crawling around exploring the the amazon for books that was <laughs> right, yeah. and i i was working in film and tv at the time and we we did a whole thing you know kind of talking to him about that commercial right but that one
1: was also that was but fun because it's, he was trying to get established he would come to book expo um at right. least two or three years and He would give, you know, uh, have private uh, audiences with the press ahead of time. And it was was a lot of fun, you know, and, you know, it was a lot of give and take. Um, But then, you know, eventually he became...
0: Way too big for for bucks. <laughs> right, right. Now I patiently await for the uh, day when you guys reach out to me to be. Um, more, uh, <laughs> You're on the radar now. And yeah. <laughs> uh, but you did include one of our uh, one of our new teammates, uh, Mark Coker. He's actually in this this issue, right? Yeah, hundred
1: percent. Yep. We looked at twenty five of the most influential people over the last twenty five years, and we were looking for somebody who could symbolize, you know, the growth in self-publishing. And, um, you know, Mark was certainly at the forefront of it. And I think he's done a lot to, uh, you know, popularize, uh, the whole, the whole area. Um, I think we can safely say he's not a big fan of Amazon. Um, so to try, but, you know, it's important to try to broaden the, uh, your your all your options beyond just Kindle. Yeah, um, I mean, K- Kindle's great, but Kindle has limitations, as I think everybody knows.
0: Right, right. So, in most of your experience there, thirty years with Publishers Weekly, um, what what is your impression? Because you know, all of us at this point, you know, self publishing has been around forever, but this the particular flavor of self publishing that we see now is relatively new. How have you seen things shift over the past 30 years?
1: Oh, then it's just been, you know, complete Titanic shift. I mean, you know, and it's all due to digital. Mm -hmm. Before before you could do ebooks and digital books and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you know, it was really vanity. It was called vanity publishing and there was the biggest publisher was Vantage Press, I think was the name of it. Yeah. And you had to do prints. So it was really expensive. Um, and the returns were, you know, sort of questionable at best. So yeah. there, I, would, I wouldn't want to say it really didn't exist, but it was so far in the periphery that people pay very little attention to it. I mean, you couldn't really get distribution. Um, so all the, all the things you need to get attention for your book really didn't exist until digital came along. I mean, now, yeah. as I'm sure most of you listeners know, I'm sure you know, I mean, you can do pretty much everything yourself. You can get it in the Kindle store or you can get it in the draft digital and Smashwords, you get yeah. that store, you know, And the, you, you can do it yourself and it's there. Yeah. I mean, what hasn't changed and what I think is the hardest thing now and it's the, I think the toughest thing that self-publishers it takes them a little time to accept is that just because you've published a book doesn't mean somebody's going to read it. Yeah. Because um, there are just so many books out there now, you know, um, right. and, and, you know, discoverability is, is, you know, one of the words that gets tossed around the industry all the time, right. be it from a traditional publisher or a self publisher. And, you know, it is a tough nut to crack. And, you know, and one of the things that, you know, sort of study after study has shown when it comes to buying books online is people tend to go to buy a book that they already know they want to buy. Right. Um, or an author. I mean, they'll follow an author along. But, you know, the browsing in any online bookstore is, is not the greatest experience.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And uh, And that's that's that nut that we're all trying to figure out how to crack. Like, how do we? And I think in some respects, certain river themed retailers may be working against us on uh, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um,
1: but it is, it's something that everybody's grappling with, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, but you know, on the other hand, who would have thought well, like maybe 18 months ago that TikTok slash book talk would be a thing. Right. So now it's the, Biggest thing in publishing, it really is in terms of promotion. Yeah. Um I think a lot of people probably knows what's happened. Colleen Hoover is the the queen of book talk. Um, her backlist titles are selling in the hundreds of thousands of copies. Yeah, it ends with us, which was published six years ago. It's just sold a million copies so far, just this year alone, just yeah. in print. Um, and you know that's a large a uh, large portion
0: of that to do to to book talk yeah so how, it, it, at this point how do you so book talk uh, there's all kinds of things that are kind of it's sort of there's a rise and fall i don't know how long book talk will last maybe maybe it's here to stay i don't know i'm not going to make that prediction because i'm frequently wrong about <laughs> these things sure. but um you know how, how, in terms of someone mentioned in the comments about leveling internet somewhat leveling the playing field like like what what do you think are the things that are making indies competitive right now from your like sky high uh view of the whole industry well
1: just really the the ability to get published and i mean and if you are a smart marketer um you know there are digital marketing opportunities and if you have a platform i mean you know Early on, when self-publishing was, was first becoming a real thing, there was this whole debate about, all right, if you're uh, if you're Stephen King, um, why do you need a publisher for? You have brand recognition. You right. have, you know, the world is your oyster. So just publish it yourself. Right. And there are a few authors who did that, made the transition saying, you know, you're right. I mean, why should the publisher take half the money I could earn? But a lot of people came around to realize, well, especially if you're a a big author, it's just not worth it. I don't want to worry about all this other stuff, (laughs) you know, about marketing and printing and distribution and PR and all that. Um, But if you're a public, if you're like Robert Kiyosaki forever, for instance, I mean, he started off as a self-publisher. He had a brand, he had a platform. So You know, and that's that's the things you have to take advantage of, because I think most people know now that, you know, to even land a traditional publishing deal, like one of the first things they ask is, you know, what's your platform? Right. Um, and it wasn't that long ago. Well, it was that long ago. But, you know, when it was uh, Judith Reagan sort of became famous for signing up all these um, radio stars. I mean, yeah. Howard Stern whatever it was in the eighties or something, the early nineties, you know, he was a big shot at radio and he became a huge, a huge, uh, a huge author. And yeah. you, you saw that, you know, r- r- radio stars, especially some of the conservative uh, hosts, yep. they got a lot of book deals and they would, you know, plug their book, you know, every single day. Um, yeah. Now I know, you know, a lot of people starting out don't have that sort of platform. But you you might have a local platform. You may have, you know, something at the library you can do. I mean, I I know uh, we've discussed when I I was on the Mm -hmm. board of the IPBA a lot about um, self-published authors working with your local independent bookstores Mm -hmm. on how to get into there, how to do other events in there. And most of them are um, pretty receptive uh, to hosting uh, their local self-publishers. Most self-published authors, as long as the self-published author is reasonable, yeah. you can't come in and you know and say, "Hey, I want to do an outing," and you know the books are a mess. You have no prices. Or you have no discount yeah. for the, the bookstore. You have to know how the bookstore works. You have to know how the bookstore business works.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's an education. I think um, when a, most indie authors don't know how bookstores work and how that side of the business works, and they just sort of dream of getting their books on Barnes & Noble shelves, for example, What uh, do you know of any resources that those authors could use for that education?
1: Well, I do think, like I said, uh, IPBA is great, yes. um, International Book Publishers Association. There's Pub West out there, but, you know, uh, I would really just recommend IPBA because, this yeah. is what they do I mean they, and they, they have tons of resources themselves. Yeah. And, um, I used to have a print magazine uh, but they have a lot of other things that yeah. like great tips. they have pub U, which is uh, back to being an in-person event every year.
0: Oh, they man. have lots okay. of
1: pe- there's lots of people who will teach you you know the ABCs Cs and how to do it you know and I, I was there for four years and I enjoyed it um, you know uh but a lot a lot of authors have the same questions though so yeah. you sort of find yourself a little bit of a rat but yeah and then you know to turn to publishers weekly um you know 10 years or so ago we started something called pw select which was really like sort of a marketing mm. service for i forget what it was 75 dollars, 100 dollars. you could have a blurb for your book and you put it in the magazine and then we started something called Book Life, which is um, its own section in the magazine now. Um, so, and it's also a newsletter comes out weekly on Mondays, and in there there's usually a, an interview with some author. There is uh, tips on how to get published. There are reviews. Um, because the last three years or so we got on the the paid review bandwagon mm-hmm. um, book life is actually slightly I don't oversee book life it's sort of its own little thing within PW yeah
0: um,
1: but it's really growing very quickly um, so so we're happy about that we started um, something called the selfie awards which I think is in its third year or so now um, And, you know, I I think that's done pretty well. And we had our first uh, author forum in January or February. So it it brought people on board there to, uh, that was virtual. Uh, We may do some in-person ones next year um, to try to, to try to teach people again, you know, um, you know, how to get published. And then more importantly, what to do after you have the book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Then, um, and of course, that's where we come in and throw that out there. Uh, So, so, you know, there's, um, you know, I go to a lot of conferences and I do a lot of virtual stuff and uh, talk to a lot of authors. And uh, whenever the, the, whenever I'm in an event that is sort of a mix of, of traditional and indie there, it's definitely become, it's become obvious that the trad world is kind of looking at indies and saying, here are some things they're doing. We could, do i'm hoping to see more of that actually you know i don't see there being much of a competition frankly i think we could all learn from each other but what do you what do you think are some things that the indie authors might learn from traditional publishing that we're not aware of or not using right now
1: well that's that's a that's a tough one in that um i don't think they don't have any magic bullet or secret bullet or anything like that because you see more and more authors you know this is something that i'm sure a lot of independent authors do they're going out and hiring their own publicists yeah um and a lot of people published by tradition ones are doing that as well um you know (laughs) what 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 the traditional publishers have that the indies don't is just um you know reach into the bookstores which is which is key i mean especially yeah. you know, if you want to get obviously your a print book out there i mean distribution you know is is all important and it's getting and, and it's getting harder um there aren't as many um independent distributors as there used to be right. um the big publishers now random house simon and schuster hachette they all have their distribution arms, which distribute for independent presses, IPG independent publishers group, which some of your uh, listeners may know, Mm -hmm. they're the biggest uh, independent publisher, and they will distribute, um, you know, single title authors, um, once in a while. Um, But that's, that's tough to crack. I mean, what, what I would suggest is, you try to build a bit of a backlist before you try to go out to find right. um, some distribution because, to be honest, not too many people are interested in one book, right. um, you know, un- unless somehow it becomes, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey. Right. And, you know, um, and, and it's this huge hit. But, yeah. you know, it, it, but, you know, and I do think, like I said before, it really pays to try to start local. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the way... The traditional publishers would build um, a new author. It's either a particular niche that they're well known in. You know, it, not every cookbook author is was some famous chef before right. they were a cookbook author, but they may have been. You know, the best chef in you know Northern Illinois. or something. Right. Um, there, there's some some credit you can take that you really have to try to exploit. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's really the way, you know, cause like to, to cover a story, why would we write about something? I and mean, we get pitched lots and lots of stuff. Right. Um, so it, there has to be some sort of unique angle. And I can't tell everybody out there what, it's, what it is, but you know, um, some heartwarming stories, some of the odd story something to do with success, you know. Um, If your book is selling, you know, maybe a couple thousand copies, I mean, I don't know, we would cover that. But, um, you know, maybe your local book or your local paper would do it, or there's, you know, more and more of these regional or town papers. Yeah. Um, And I know one of our local um, Mm -hmm. papers here that comes out once every couple of weeks, you know, they have, you know, authors in your town, And Mm -hmm. almost every one is a self-published author. But, I mean, to be frank, most people don't know the difference between a self-published author and a traditional published author. I think
0: we make a bigger distinction. And so we think everyone is paying attention to that. But I think generally the readers don't know or care. That's my 100%.
1: No, I I think that's 100% right. I mean, in in the publishing world, I mean, there are no real publishing brands except for a a couple. I mean... Knopf, this you could consider uh, a brand. Maybe Penguin Books because their things look so cute. Yeah. Um, DK back in the day. Yeah. But I mean, there are very, very few um, consumers who buy books because of who the publisher is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I can't think of anyone who's ever come to me and said, you know. Random House just put out this new book, and I can't wait right. to check it out. I don't know who the author of the title is. I don't know what it's about, but Random House. Right, right, uh, right. Yeah. So, so. Uh, before we go too much further, I want to make sure everyone knows that they you are perfectly allowed to ask questions in the comments, and I'm flagging those so that we can bring those up here in a bit. Um, and also, be sure to like and uh, follow us and and you know, do all those things because that helps us out. So like, follow, subscribe. That's the standard. <laughs> I'm required by by internet law to say that, Jim. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> so now we've talked a little bit about, so we've got 150 years of past that we could dig into. Um, But maybe we should uh, speculate a little about the future, because one of the things you cover, according to your bio, you tell me if this is still true, uh, (laughs) but you cover, like, mergers and acquisitions, and we just happen to have recently gone through one uh, with your digital and Smashwords. Uh, Consolidation seems to be the buzzword right now. Is that that your experience? Um, Oh,
1: 100%. But I, I... I don't want to get myself in trouble here. Uh, <laughs> no, but, get into the we'll, what I what fun. I wrote for this issue <laughs> was yeah. uh, you know there's something I think everybody knows is the big five mm-hmm. trade publishers: Penguin, Random House, yeah. Harper, Simon, yep. Bessette, and Macmillan. Um, so I went through a little bit of the history of the last 25 years how they got that way. Yeah. Um, and as you sort of uh, deduced, it was by acquisition yeah. and big acquisitions. Um, you know, the biggest one being one random house uh merged with penguin back in like 10 years or so ago.
0: Yeah. So yeah.
1: of course, now as we speak, there's a trial going on in yep. Washington to see if the Penguin Random House Simon and Schuster merger will be approved. Yeah. And as we're speaking, Marcus Stoley, the CEO of PRH, is on the stands. Um so so we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot to to say about this whole thing. I mean, I think we're pretty much consolidated out um, in some ways. Um, yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what the, the government's going to do, but we do know Simon & Schuch is going to get sold. I mean, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, Paramount has made it very clear. They don't want to be the owner of it anymore.
0: Right. So, you know,
1: at least the question yeah. will who would buy it, I mean, Penguin House is a great publisher that, you know, they would be a good home for it, but you know, if there's another buyer out there who could keep it a little more independent, mm-hmm. um, people aren't that crazy about the idea of a private equity company coming along, right? <laughs> because we know how private equity usually treats their acquisitions. Yeah. Um, the hope early on was maybe a foreign publisher who was looking to get a foothold Mm -hmm. in the U S might do it. Um, so that all might all be new if the, if the deal goes through. Um, so, but you know, and it's it's not just publishing, um, you know, we've already mentioned Amazon a number of times Mm -hmm. and, you know, they are by far and away the largest bookseller. Um, they are even more farther away when it comes to the sale of eBooks. Yeah. And they have no real competitor in there. You can name your market share of the ebook markets. I'm yeah. sure it's somewhere between 60 and 75 percent. Um, the books, it's probably still closer to 50. But right. I mean, that's you know, that's troubling. Yeah. Um Ingram is really the only uh large wholesaler left. I mean, there is a smaller one, Bookazine, which is national, but Ingram, you know, dominates that that space. Yeah. Um, Barnes and Noble, despite all its its troubles, um, seems to be re- re- rebounding a bit, and is you know the by far again the biggest physical bookstore chain. Mm-hmm. And then there's a company called ReaderLink, which is the biggest distributor of books to the non traditional market. So they go to places like Walmart and Target and grocery stores. And, you know, so they're there. So you have these big pillars into the industry that really dominate their specific niches. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're very efficient, which is the good side of it. But the downside of it, you know, there's not too many alternatives for what you want to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the alternatives do seem to be getting narrower
1: <laughs> well yeah well that's i mean that definitely is uh that, that definitely an issue I, mean, yeah. I think there's there's no doubt about it um and then there's lots and lots of independent presses um you know on, on the smaller side we did a story i don't know six months ago about where are the the mid-sized publishers like a hundred million dollars and something right and there really aren't that many left i mean for, for and what for one reason a lot <laughs> a lot of the bigger companies bought Bought the bigger ones like Hachette bought Workman Publishing, which was, you know, maybe the, uh, the, the best case study for how you grow a publishing from nothing to one hundred and forty million dollars. Yeah. Peter Workman was a very creative guy. And, I, and he had a brand. And we talked about brands before. I mean, you know, you knew a Workman calendar
0: mm-hmm. because
1: it was so distinctive. And, you know, uh, the Preppy Hand guy and that sort of thing had a real distinctive look to it. I mean that's one thing that you know authors have to pay attention to is your book design. I mean you yeah. can create you know a splash with that you know if you do something that's eye catching.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's um, it's the kind of thing we talk to authors about all the time. Is you know there's a and it, it's a lot of balls to juggle really um, as an independent, and that sure. is one of the advantages that that the uh, the trade publishing stuff offers. Because uh, they will handle at least that aspect of things, but right, yeah, it goes
1: back to what we were saying before. I mean, yeah, do I want to become? Do I want to become a publisher? If you're, yeah. you know, if you're Colleen Hoover, <laughs> and yeah, doodles of money, why would you change? Yeah, but you yeah. Know, if, if you're trying to get your foot in the door, it makes sense. But I mean, you're right, and can't emphasize this enough. You yeah. have that you have to pay attention to all the details that are involved in. And what, quite frankly, is you know kind of a complicated business. I mean, why do I sell my like, books on return, returnable yeah. if you sell a print edition? You know, right. what should the cover price be? I mean, you know, what standards do I need to meet, and all yeah. that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and these are not always easy questions to answer. Um, the right. the pricing question alone has kept. I think most of the authors I've ever known up late at night wondering if they'd gotten their price right, you know right. I remember uh, once upon
1: a time somebody said four
0: ninety nine but I'm not sure yeah. if that's
1: still the conventional wisdom
0: I think it just varies by you know genre, of course, and uh page count also plays into that uh and indie authors tend to most indie authors I know tend to aim for eighty to a hundred thousand words, and I think four ninety nine is kind of the bottom of that, but Right. I've found yeah. that to be a, to be a pretty decent price point for my books. I'm just going to yeah. put that out there. That's yeah. not advice. That's just <laughs> anecdotal. Uh um, Something was batted around a few years ago, <laughs> and it will be forever. Yeah, for people sure. are yeah. never going to settle that question. Yeah. So I got some qu- some questions have popped in, and this was one uh, I more or less wanted to bring up anyway. Uh, so Randall says, "Do you see more hybrid deals happening for indie authors in the coming years, or less?" Uh, More or less hybrid deals, I think he means. And uh, will the merger of the major publishers have a negative or positive effect? And will the best option for print be hybrid deal a few years from now? What do you think?
1: Um, I definitely think hybrid is growing in stature and in importance. There are more and more companies out there that have established themselves as hybrid. Um, And I I would just say, do your due diligence um, on who you're working with. I mean, again, going back to the IPBA and a lot of your listeners may already know this, they have a criteria you have to meet for them to sign off on a company being a hybrid uh, publisher. So I would certainly watch that. Um, Well, I know Mm -hmm. of quite a few that are growing that are actually staffed by people who used to work in traditional publishing Um, and, you know, see this as a way to help themselves get started and also give different um authors a chance to, to get their books out there because most again most hybrid publishers are led by people who, who know the business so i mean that right there is a, a step in the right direction right and and depending on how you go with you know the costs aren't that exorbitant but you have to go with your eyes wide open um and Again, I think most are fair, and and they they're looking to do. They want to bail the backlist. They're trying to build a real business. Yep. So um, you know, they're they're they did do the best for they can for their their uh, their authors. You know, will the uh, mergers <laughs> be negative or positive? I think there almost has to be a cut in even if the Simon thing and P March go through. I mean. There's going to be a net decline
0: mm-hmm. in the number
1: of authors they publish, so there'll probably a trickle down effect. I know some of the traditional media sized publishers are kind of waiting, saying, All right, so this mid list, this mid list author at Simon and Schuster, and they get merged into the other one. This yeah. middle author is going to become buried, yeah. Um, so if I'm Kensington Publishing, this is my chance to get him, you know, and then yeah. it, it could go all the way down the list until hybrid publishers start picking up more and more authors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way, uh, the way I've watched it and you're going to have a much better view of this than I am, but it seems to me like, well, there was all the talk of the mid list disappearing and I don't think the mid list disappeared. I think they mostly just went indie. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, and I think hybrid is kind of starting to kind of pick up what, let me ask you, what is your definition of hybrid? Because I actually sat on a panel a couple of weekends ago, and there was some debate about what hybrid really meant. What do you, how do you see what hybrid meant?
1: Well, I can see where there would be a debate
0: because, I mean, to me, hybrid
1: is, um, as an author working with a publisher who's paying a fee, it's going to be a few thousand dollars for certain functions to be carried out. Mm-hmm. And in exchange for that, you're going to get a higher royalty rate. Uh, the royalty rates, as, as far as I remember, can go anywhere from really high 90 percent to, you know, I think the minimum is probably 40 or 50 percent. So it's like a pay for services thing. I mean, I want you to edit my book. I want you to design my book. Uh, and I want you to do publicity for it. I think a lot of these do have the that type of menu you can choose from yeah so i mean to, be, to me that's what it is and then i think the ipba's definition is you have to have a distributor yeah. um and that you know that is that's mentioned before that is a key hurdle to meet, especially if you want to do print obviously yeah you know and a lot of people do want to be in print and, and then mm-hmm. there's a reason for being in print i mean you know despite all the challenges um you know uh print books still sell as a format that most people still would rather, rather use, um, you know, and, you know, Amazon and Barnes and Noble sell a lot of print
0: books. Just a few. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah. And, you know, print has the highest overhead. Uh, well, aside from audio, audio books have the highest overhead generally for Indies and, uh, print has a high overhead in the form of, you know, the royalty gets, takes a big hit because of, uh, you know, the cost of production manufacturing costs, obviously
1: are all all encompassing. It's really tough. That's why you said, you know, what's the difference between now and then, I mean, manufacturing costs are the bottom line, you might say.
0: Yeah. 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 And that does have an impact though. Uh, And that's where Indies are generally not as competitive uh, because print costs us. We don't have the yet, yet have the muscle to say, look, reduce these costs, give us a better deal so we can have a bigger margin. You know, we're getting there. We're getting there. draft digital is going to help. Well, you know, (laughs) print-on-demand,
1: obviously. Print-on-demand is great. I mean, you know, lightning source. And, you know, there's a debate in traditional publishers about how much digital printing should we do. uh, Because offset printing, you know, they've done that for generations. Offers better economies of scale. Mm -hmm. The counter argument is, well, if you do a POD – um you don't have to worry about going out of stock you, you know you're not going to miss sales given the whole problems with the supply chain um which we've talked to death for the last two years yes um print <laughs> on demand has you know again grown up in stature may have actually caused you know some of publishers to get booted you know over a couple of days or so as, yeah. uh as other people come online because i mean i know i was we talking to ingram for that book they wrote about the growth in the book publisher. And one year, one, I think it was 20, early 2021, like half the best sellers on the New York times were done by yeah. POD because there was no no other place to go. Yeah. So, um, you know, that makes sense. An- yeah. And that's another, you know, thing we didn't really mention, but I'm sure everybody's aware of, you know, digital publishing is, you know, really changed the game as well.
0: Yeah. And it's so much more than people think because it is, POD is part of that digital publishing landscape, which a lot of people don't think about because it's a physical book, you know, right. Uh, right. E-books, obviously Um, audiobooks, all that stuff. It's, it, it really has just, just in my limited experience with the industry, you know, I started publishing in 2006 and it's changed so much since then. Right. You know? So well,
1: yeah, for sure. Well, even, even though you mentioned how expensive audio is, I mean, audio is always like a stepchild yeah. until the smartphone came along and everybody was listening to that. And, yeah. and it made the cost, the consumer cost at least way cheaper. I mean, physical yeah. audio was really expensive. you ever try to buy a Harry Potter yeah. audio for your kids yeah. back in the day, I, got, I had
0: to take out a second mortgage.
1: Right. They were not cheap, <laughs> but you know, the digital audio, it's great. And, 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 you know, of course, Audible has their ACX thing, and um, there'll be some other self-publishing audio enterprises coming along, I'm sure. So, yeah, we'll see how that grows up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I got a couple more questions here. Some popping in at random. Let's see. I, I, I lose a couple. I did not mean for that one to pop up yet, uh, Randall. I'll get back to you. <laughs> uh, so, MVS is is 14 books enough of a backlist? Yes. Yes, I think so too. Yeah, yeah, I think even what do you think? Is a, what do you think is a minimum backlist for? How for, long is Bridget? How long is Bridgerton? Uh, eight, <laughs> eight, eight, eight to ten.
1: Yeah, I think eight to ten is eight probably 10.
0: good. Oh gosh!
1: And I, right, so I saw that question, and I was on a panel yesterday yeah. talking about AI. Mm-hmm. Um, there we go. So out. there's a lot of debate about it um even the AA guy AA guys who i was on the panel with would admit it's not perfect for everything yeah um especially for fiction yeah. um but it's, it's coming along um you know they're, they're getting better and better um yeah. but I, so i would definitely explore it um and i know and i was actually what the, when i was on this panel yesterday i asked the, 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 the Speech Key and Deep Zen who are two of the bigger AI yeah. audio guys right now. And I said, well, you know, where do you stand on self-publishing? Yeah. And they said, you know, we're, uh, um, you know they're, they're starting to reach out to it. They think it's a, a market for them in the future. Um, but as people probably know, you cannot sell AI-narrated titles on Audible. Right. Um, yes, Although, yes. Yes. Yeah. So so we'll see if they actually uh if I, when Amazon actually changes something. We'll, we'll we'll see.
0: Hey, look, it's been it's it's been known to happen, but I mean, that is too delicious a pie for Amazon to ignore for long, I think. And I Right. You know, my position on on AI narration is that it's not it's you know, by the way, for those listening, this was a question from Randall Wood about whether or not we uh, we saw AI narration uh, as becoming an industry standard. I don't think it will replace um, human narration altogether. Well, I think what it'll be is a whole different market. The same way ebooks and print books are two different markets appealing to two different groups of readers. Right,
1: right. Well, the, and the point the AI guys make, because believe me, there's been a lot of backlash from narrators yeah. um, about this whole thing. But I mean, their point is uh, there's. Way more books out there that will yeah. than we'll ever see yep. audio, unless yeah. you do something for AI. And because narration isn't um, human narration isn't that expensive, but that's it costs more than AI. Yes. So So um, if you have a backlist title that you think you know could maybe sell five hundred copies mm-hmm. year after year for a while, you probably won't do a human narrator. But if yeah. AI then do
0: it yeah and there's and there's nothing to say you can't take the royalties and profits you make from the AI book and roll them over into getting a human narrator and you have a separate second product not a replacement product but a a completely different product
1: right right different because
0: you can price AI books lower than the human narrator books and plus plus plus
1: you know, I do think it's important for public, uh, authors and publishers to be in that market. Because, you know, Spotify is now there. Yep. I mean, Spotify sounds like they're going to throw a lot of resources to developing uh, their own uh, audiobook delivery system. Yep. So, I mean, they got a lot of listeners. They just bought so Find
0: Away. Just uh, bought Find Away.
1: Uh, um, so, you know, they're on their way.
0: Yeah uh one more question here and then we're getting close to wrapping up uh ecar ebooks asked jim <laughs> i love it uh what, what's your two biggest low-hanging fruit tips that writers can do to get a good review from pw uh, I, I never get this question uh, <laughs> <laughs> had to come up jim it had to come uh, up at some point well,
1: There's not too so much i can say to get a good review yeah. But to get a review, you really have to follow our guidelines. Um, don't forget we are pre-publication review, mm-hmm. uh, which means we want it at least three three months ahead of time, because the whole rationale for for our reviews is for to get the book in front of the professional book buyers at a time when they can still order the book and it makes some sense. Yeah. So make sure you hit the deadlines and please submit something that looks, you know, you, we're, we still take prints, which we did for two years because of the pandemic, uh, but we do take it now, but we you can also do it um, digitally and just make sure everything looks good. I mean, not, no, no typos. No, I forgot the jacket or, or the cover looks like crap. Has a hundred dollars sucked
0: into it as a bookmark. Right. Exactly.
1: Cause we, we do like about, <laughs> we do like 9,000, reviews a year but we get like you know 50 60, books a year so wow. you know it's uh we got a lot of books uh <laughs> and so so do you have like to, a
0: massive team that read divvies all that up to read that we or?
1: have eight it depends what how you want to count it including children's reviewers we have yeah. over 10 and each okay. have different categories um so they're they're the, the first filter uh, and we do have a mail room where it's, if if the physical books look really bad they would get tossed before they got anywhere right um,
0: that's the old slush pile technique right
1: exactly you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I mean it's super competitive I mean I mean we you know I, I don't not really wanting to plug the paid service but we do have a paid service that you're pretty much guaranteed a review you don't have to run it if you don't and again yeah. i don't know what the price is it's like four hundred dollars i think yeah yeah um but uh that's 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 somebody else's problem too. that's not Ta- mine but 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 the last thing i would say that review will run in pw in the yes. book life section
0: that's so. That's the kind of guarantee I'm looking for. Right,
1: right, right. Good or
0: bad, though. That's the problem, right? Good <laughs> well, or bad, is, it's running.
1: It's hard to write a bad uh, paid review. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's yeah. Maybe constructive criticism is the way to say it.
0: Tall, tall Aaron on YouTube asks if that's uh, if that would be floppy or USB for those digital submissions.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think USB. <laughs> yeah, right. USB, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do remember
0: those days. I remember yes. briefly like submitting to magazines that asks for things on floppy disk, you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, we have
1: our own system. If you go on, if you go to publishersweekly.com, the website, it tells you don't see how to
0: do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Jim, uh, I, we're at the end. Um, and I actually, I need to run something real quick. Can you bear with me? There's a spot I need to run real quick. Sure. I promise we'll be back on the other side, but one second. Uh, oh, gotta find it. And uh, hold on, everybody, here it goes. Ebooks are great, but there's just something about having your words in print. Something you can hold in your hands, put on a shelf, sign for a reader. That's why we created D2D Print, a print on demand service that was built. For you we have free beautiful templates to give your book a pro look and we can even convert your ebook cover into a full wraparound cover for print so many options for you and your books and you can get started right now when you sign up at draft to digital.com slash print beta all right thank you for being tolerant of our hey, well you know, we're motion. talking about
1: print i i waited talking about
0: we got it in right in the right in the right <laughs> spot uh, so, Jim, thank you so much for being a part of the show, man. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing. Yeah, it was your great. Experience.
1: A lot of fun. So good luck to everybody out there. And yeah. uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye out for your book.
0: Yes. Uh, and, I, and now I think everybody's going to rush and try to get one of those paid reviews.
1: Uh, we won't be sorry
0: about that. They won't turn it down folks. That's what they're trying to tell you. Uh, so everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. Uh, make sure that you bookmark us at D And that's where you're going to find a countdown for one of these, uh, weekly episodes of self-publishing insiders. Plus we have our monthly webinar, so you don't want to miss out on that. Uh, and uh, make sure that you are following us and subscribing to us everywhere uh pod good your fine podcasts are sold and also on social media uh just put slash draft digital at the end of almost any url and we're sure to be there so uh jim thanks again for being on the show everyone else we'll see you all next time take care that's it for this week's self-publishing insiders with draft to digital be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with your will-be author friends and start, build, and grow your own self publishing career right now at draftadigital.com.